Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Boy, I should tell you guys what we were just talking about before I hit the record <laughs> button on the podcast. Well, I should tell them just because it's on my mind. Yeah, We have a, a, a French bulldog that we bought um, here in Puerto Rico from a really well-known breeder. And the guy breeds amazing French bulldogs. Um, we, Julie and I, you guys don't know this, maybe don't care, but we're going to tell you anyway. Uh, we have long, we worked with the French Bulldog, what is it called? French Bulldog Rescue Network. Right. And Julie and I used to be part of the relay team. We were, we essentially would go and do the actual rescues and then we'd take them to their fosters and we did that a lot. We've done that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, moving here, there wasn't any sort of established network for that. So we wanted to get a new French Bulldog because uh, Louis had passed away when we were still in Texas, mm-hmm. our uh, other French Bulldog. And Ollie, his younger brother, needed a new playmate. So we got him Max. Now, now, here's the deal. We did a lot of research and there was this breeder in you know, Puerto Rico and the guy has won a bunch of awards and you guys get the gist of it. You know, American Kennel Society won blue, blue, blue ribbons Max's, and just the whole thing. Max's relatives are like international superstar Frenchies. That's right. And uh, so we go and you know, we decide to uh, purchase Max from this guy. It's a little surprise for Zoe, the whole thing. And Max is supposed to be a maximum of 28 pounds. I mean, that's basically what the guy said because all of the breed yeah. standard is 28 pounds. This guy knows how to breed dog. Well, it turns out Max was a very apt name because he's now yeah. basically pushing 40 pounds and he's only eight months old. And so very now we, enormous. we have this gigantic French bulldog puppy. Who's, who's not puppy, who's not even full grown yet. So I'm walking through the uh, house, going to the kitchen this morning and he brings me a, a toy and, you know, I must have ignored him because as I walk past them and then he basically kind of jumps up and nips at the back of me because I won't play with him. Yeah. And, you know, so that was our morning. I got. I <laughs> and then I'm interviewing a, a dog sitter so we can travel again someday. And, uh, you know, first thing he does, walks up and pees on her foot. I'm like, Max, I know you're a puppy, but come on. Uh, let's anyway. get it together. So that was our morning. Our yeah, yeah, but we, this isn't what this show is all about. We just thought we'd share with you the uh, abnormal t- abnormality Adventures. of our life, because I'm sure yours is very similar, especially in this sort of COVID era of our lives. Mm-hmm. Hey, good news on COVID. It does look like there's actually yeah. going to be a vaccine by the end of the year. It does look like that's actually going to be yesterday's news, as Julie and I had hoped. It's not going to be something that we really have to carry into next year um, as a fear. And you know, so it looks like the whole lockdown, vac, you know, fear of this and fear of the other thing is going to start dissipating. And this wasn't a political thing. This actually came from the CDC, and I think that is amazing. Julie and I were hoping it was about mid-June that we were suspecting that there was going to be an absolute renaissance in the economy. Um, and we laid out the reasons why we thought it would be true and what would have to happen in order for it to be true. And number one was a vaccine or, you know, a viable therapy. And now it looks like, frankly, the government and, you know, Trump administration did what they said they were going to do. And they're delivering on um, both, actually. And that's extraordinary because th- what that will do is we'll release 
so much energy back into the economy. And yes, there's going to be a lot of you know businesses that are going to have to reorganize. And remember, just because a business fails today, the entrepreneur still is an entrepreneur. They can obviously restart the business tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of things that are people are going to have to work through. But oh my gosh, for us to come out of this sort of COVID pandemic thing on the other side of it, it really is, I think, going to be an extraordinary renaissance. This isn't what the point of today's show is. Um, but we talk a lot about this uh, sort of this big idea that Julie and I have that we're entering into another global renaissance and a renaissance basically being where there's a, a rebirth of just virtually everything that's based in essentially enlightenment. You guys can Google it and research more of this yourself. It was a historical time that followed the dark ages. Well, I don't know, guys. kind of feels like that's the direction we're going, and, and we're just thrilled about it. So that means that next year and going forward, um, even though there are going to certainly be some headwinds to the economy globally and, and certainly uh, nationally, it for the most part, we're probably entering into an era of unprecedented growth and unprecedented um, really opportunity. And that's just fantastic. And what COVID seems to have done it seems to have essentially rushed in uh, us, all of us into a new um, way of living, and that's part of what we want to share with you guys on the podcast today. So the topic of what we've prepared for you is why there will not be, and we're going to, you know, we've been sort of riding the fence on this, but I think Julie and I are going to actually put our, mm-hmm. our uh, flag in the sand, and we're going to say there will not be a big foreclosure or housing bust in 2021. Now, there will be, and we're going to share with you some statistics, there will be a slowing in certain markets, and we're going to give you the information as we know it, but we are here to say that we do not think it's going to be anything like it was back in 07, 08, 09. We do not think there's going to be a precipitous drop of prices. We do not think it's going to be a you know foreclosure wave after foreclosure wave. And I've written down 10 reasons why, um, and we're going to share with you probably three or four, maybe five of those reasons uh, starting now. Yes, good segue. So we could call this why we think that it's not going to go like last time. And I, you know, I would agree with you on that, Tim, that just the headwinds are so strong to not have a big housing crisis. So for example, point number one, record equity. And I'll tell you where I see this from our coaching clients, right? So yes, people still miss house payments. You know, there's been people laid off and lost their jobs and things happen and for whatever reason. But that, you know, in 07, 08, 09, that almost instantly turned them into a short sale or foreclosure. Not so when there's lots of equity in the house. You sell it, you pay it off, the seller still has money to walk away with. Yes, they're paying fees, but the equity basically has and there's so much equity from the past 12 years of appreciation. Well, so there you go. That so we want you we're trying to help you guys sort of see why there's not going to be a big foreclosure wave like there was back in 07, 08, 09. So when you're reading our points, what we're trying to do is counterbalance what were our predictions here. Um based on essentially previous experience with the previous housing crash, right? So in the previous housing crash, guys, there was not record equity like there is now. And by record equity in many of you, many markets, you're seeing people double digit um, levels of equity. There's trillions and trillions of dollars in home equity in the United States. And so, you know, it's gonna take a lot of depreciation for people to end up at zero. But even if that were to happen, which we don't think it will, like 99.9% chance there's not gonna be a big drop in prices. But even if it were to happen, there's reason 
reasons to believe that that still wouldn't trigger a foreclosure um, you know, crisis like there was before. And so, by the way, I want to remind all of you guys, if you're not in the free coaching program yet, uh, we are expanding what we're including in the free coaching program. All you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. Just text the word survival to 31996, and then you can become a member of Premier Experience. And Premier Experience is a version of our normal coaching program. Please don't be confused. It's a very much scaled back version, but you do get the critical information you need to in uh, this year is maybe your best year ever. You still have time, most of you, and certainly really get the momentum going into 2021. And all you've got to do to join the free coaching program is just text the word survival to 31996. Just go ahead and do that now. You can listen to the podcast on your mobile while you're texting survival to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link and then you just click that link and you can activate your free membership. Yes. And in fact, I updated some of that information this morning, as it turns out, having to do with the actual rules to foreclosure moratorium. It is not actually across the board. So there's some actual facts to that. Okay. And I included that in what you just mentioned. Well, since you brought that up, though, let's make sure they know what you're talking about. When they join the free coaching program or a normal coaching program, they get the ultimate agent survival guide. And included in that is all the information, the forbearances and all the, you know, all the things you possibly could ever want to know about all the different programs that you might want to be leveraging for your own financial safety going to the end of the year. But also you want to pass along to all of your real estate clients. Everyone's going to want to know about how to maybe put their house into forbearance and all that and not have any dings on their credit. Um, so yes, guys, do definitely text the word survival to 31996. You got it. So point number two of why this is not going to be like the last recession housing wise. Point number two is higher lending standards versus, gosh, you know, so many of these guys don't have any member, uh, remembrance of how there were no lending standards. Uh, so for our listeners, there was something called a ninja loan. No income, no, what was it? No income, no credit check. No, no, no income, no job. No, no job. No. That's right. So yes, I know it's hard to believe, but people did get loans with no income, no job. No, there was another one called the no doc loan. You didn't have to document anything. This is a bizarre thing for most of you guys to hear about, but that was true. People would get loan after loan after loan with virtually no qualifications. There really were virtually no lending standards back then. Well, and the, that caused the subprime housing crisis, which is completely different than what's been going on for the past probably decade. Yeah, people would. So like, you know, you didn't have to prove you had a job. You didn't have to prove anything, really. That's, that's the reason they're called ninja loans, you know. And that is many of you haven't sold, weren't selling real estate back then. And that seems, as Julie just said, totally, truly bizarre because you've come in uh, to real estate during an era where there actually were lending standards. I think right? the A was assets, like no income, no job, no assets, ninja. I think that yeah, was the A. Yeah, I, I think you got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, you know, and I remember you and I were were coaching then, and we we're like, how can this all be actually going on? This is not. You could you could definitely see something coming because we would hear about deals where there's just no way. Well, we'd have agents <laughs> who that we were coaching yeah. or that would come into us as coaching clients, and they themselves would have rental properties or properties that were certainly, right. you know, their investment, quote unquote, properties. And you knew what their numbers were because you were coaching right. them. And you were wondering to yourself, how the heck did this person qualify for this loan? Not to mention and the following four or five loans after it. Yeah. And well, what they were doing a lot of times is they were basically ninjaing themselves into their first mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then they would the house would show some sort of fake appreciation. They'd borrow the money against that house. Um, the house would still be theirs now with virtually no paper 
equity. Then they'd buy another one. Then they'd buy another one. Then they'd buy another one. And so you were like, Julie and I have assets in North Carolina, just many different states. But in Vegas, it was not uncommon to come across a valet that had three or four <laughs> rental properties, seriously, that had three to four rental properties, uh, you know, just because they were doing exactly what I just said. And the loan officers were essentially saying, you don't need to prove anything. You could go in there and do a stated loans, stated loans where you just said what your income was. You didn't have to prove it. And where's your income coming from? It's coming from refinancing another property. They didn't care. They'd give you a loan. Nobody checked. Nobody checked. Well, they may have checked, but they certainly didn't check. They didn't care. They didn't care, right? Yeah. And related to that, don't forget that appraisal standards virtually didn't exist. So prices could continue to go up and close at whatever you threw the dart at the wall. You guys are experiencing some appraisal issues. There are regulations now. So it, it, this particular point, not our current market is nothing like 070809 with regards to lending standards and appraisal standards. Okay, so moving on to point number three, mortgage forbearance and eviction moratorium. Again, that did not exist in the housing crash of yore. And I, I read a, uh, a new term, which I thought was very interesting. I think it was called memory bias or recent memory bias, something like that, which is essentially people wanting to say, well, this is going to be just like that time because we have it in recent memory and we naturally are trying to make comparisons. Well, don't do that because back then, no mortgage forbearance, there was no eviction moratorium. You know, this the whole forbearance thing, it's up to a year. It says that right in the CARES Act. That's a lot of time to buy people to get their acts back together. Well, so, so but again, the point being is that even if somebody essentially has, this is point number three, even if somebody has a problem making their mortgage payment, they've lost their job, their income has dropped, something in their financial situation has changed. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you basically had realistically, you, you know, the statistic was, and this is actually a fascinating thing to think about how this information is completely, completely obsolete, right? There was a 95% chance that once somebody missed one payment, one house payment, that they're going to let the house go into foreclosure, right? No matter how much, how many, you know, attempts the bank made, no matter how many, you know, helping hand programs from this government agency or whatever, once people have decided not to make their mortgage payment, they were gone. They were out of there. They yep. abandoned the houses. They just, you know, they weren't investing in any more of that property. They'd emotionally moved on. They wouldn't even respond to letters and emails. But now you can actually not be in a financial position, whereas, you know, to afford the house payment, uh, but the doesn't you can go in forbearance now if you're if and I think the next the point with regards to evictions is valid too. Like it happened before that there would be a lot of uh, landlords that would have these properties that they stopped making payments on, mm -hmm. and they would rent the house. They'd keep the properties rented out, and they'd keep the you know the payments coming in. So one of the big fears that people had when when renting a property was is my actual property I'm about to rent is it itself uh, in foreclosure. But now you can, you know, because the mortgage, the owner of the property is probably has equity because they probably had to have minimum lending standards. Uh, they probably had, uh, you know, put down a significant down payment. And if they can't, for some reason, if they're having financial problems, um, they can put the the mortgage in forbearance. The tenant can put that, the essentially get a foreclosure moratorium, which makes it so that they can't be thrown out of the property. I guess what I'm trying to say, guys, is these programs did not exist before, and it's going to give uh, the potential 
for the foreclosure train leaving the station, a huge backstop, which frankly, these programs fly in the face of capitalism, fly in the face of sort of the more traditional uh, values that a lot of us have with regards to how the finance, how the economy should be run and how the government should interact with, you know, private business and all this. But in my heart of hearts, here's what I'm thinking. There are a lot of families that aren't going to be on the street. There are a lot of this, the, the unintended consequences of allowing there to be a ton of foreclosures or having a ton of foreclosures goes so much deeper and it's so much more significant than I guess the, you know, a change in the understanding of how people view capitalism, for example. So we do, especially after coaching tens of thousands of agents, uh, you know, how to deal with a distressed property during the last downturn. I can assure you that if we can somehow extend and pretend that forever, ever, and so there's never another experience like we had through in starting in really late 06, I'm all for it because the hardship to families and communities is still being felt today. Yes. So uh, the loans that people have, well, well, let me, let me just stay on that point just for a second that, that, you know, part of the reason that people would walk away after missing a payment back then was also because the houses had depreciated and there was no equity. So again, not the same. Okay. So point number four, the loans that people have now by and large are long-term fixed rates, no adjustable rate mortgages to speak of that will reset at higher payments. That was another problem of the previous uh, housing crash. Housing payments are way less than what rent would be. This is another thing you guys don't necessarily consider. Why would I want to keep my house? Let me say I just refinanced and I've got like a 2.875% interest rate. I probably can't rent in my same neighborhood for the same payment that I've got on my mortgage. That's probably, I don't think that's ever happened before in the history of housing. So you're less likely to walk away, less likely to create foreclosure and short sale. Well, so the psychology before, and this is what happened all the time, is that basically someone would have a house and the, maybe their loan was adjusting, maybe something was happening that was gonna cause their payment to go up. And maybe they did have a job. They had the ability to make the payment, yeah. but they just didn't wanna make the payment because they could, guess what? Go and uh, buy a house that was discounted because it was distressed, that was nicer than their house that they really wanted to buy in the first place but couldn't afford, they'll go and buy that house and they'll bail on their current one. I mean, that's what people were doing last time. All the Consumers quickly got very crafty about different ways to manipulate the system. It took them usually, it took about six months from the start of the thing. So, you know, for people to starting to, they figured out how to game the whole thing. Well, I'd keep in mind too, and I don't think this is on your list, that little strategy called the buy and bail, right? So you, you reinvest in your neighborhood paying less than you paid for your old house for a nicer house because it had depreciated, right? So that's the buy and bail game. You couldn't do that in most neighborhoods if you wanted to now because there's no inventory. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you, you know, that was taken away. So, right. um, so that motivation is just right out the door. All right, point number five, and I think you touched on this, there is no political way, no matter what political party is in power, that there won't ever be uh, never-ending support for housing and homeowners. Rates will stay low for years. Nobody wants to throw a housing crash on top of a global pandemic during social unrest. I mean, come on. But even Nobody, after it, there's no impetus for that. Let, let's say you and I are right about there being some sort of, you know, a renaissance of sorts next year that starts sure. to happen. Let's say new businesses are forming. All of a sudden, no one keep the whole pandemic and the whole, you know, recession seems like it's something very much in the rearview mirror. People are now free to move from cities. You know, all the things we're going to talk yeah. about in future points, right? So there's this whole these big 
multiple macro trends happening at the same time, which are causing people to feel more free, basically, mm -hmm. right? Freed from the, the constraints of living like they'd been living before and they're, you know, had Americans been living for generations. I mean, you know, you and I talk about it all the time. Sure. The very fact that you're finally comfortable with Zoe being homeschooled, Mostly, I mean, yeah. that gives us freedom as <laughs> yeah, a family. for sure. For sure. I mean, like... And many we, of our coaching clients. I mean, I talk to them every day and they've got kids at home and they're, you know, people have become comfortable with that. This is a part of one of your future points. But yes, I, I think even after the election, nobody's going to... Nobody no, it's going to go back. No. Well, but, no but expand that though, how people work. Well... How, you're jumping on your own points here. Okay, well, so guys, listen. So this this is the reason to feel optimistic, and that you know the only th we are looking forward into next year, and Julie and I are trying to anticipate what might happen, you know, because we have to do our best to essentially prepare for you, prepare you guys for whatever might be coming next. And we were fearful that yeah. there was going to be some sort of huge housing slowdown, but there is absolutely not going to be a housing slowdown, and the next points I think are going to underlie that. Yes, that's right. So point number six, in the last housing crash, the fear was falling prices. Now it's become quite clear that we're going to have inflation where prices will rise. That means the cost or value, if you will, of a home will increase. That saves people from basically all of the other points that they're trying to make the housing crash, right? That prices will fall, we'll have more inventory, et cetera. So uh, point number seven, demographics, family formation, downsizing, all of these things point to long-term increasing demand, and we are already at epic demand for housing right now. You know, uh, who was it? The NAR economist Yun had an article, uh, I think it was last week, who said, okay, so maybe you wake up and there's 20% more inventory tomorrow. What do you think would happen? You guys are going to sell it instantaneously. That's right. So next we have uh, point number eight, lifestyle shifts away from urban centers. And it's not just Manhattan. It's also, I've read articles about San Francisco and LA. These are a macro trend. These are going to continue to light up the housing market across the US. You know, the rural markets may be the new hot housing markets. We've that, already seen this started to happen, starting to happen. Right. And Julie and I have studied this too, because you got to think, well, what would prevent the rural housing boom, basically, which might very well be what's going to happen? What would prevent the maybe even semi-rural housing boom from happening? And there is only one answer. It's if people had to live closer to city centers for the sake of work. And uh, if that's no longer an issue, which we're discovering that it's not, because most people can be virtual workers now, the next thing that would create headwinds against that would be the lack of connectivity. Now, the lack of connectivity is a huge one because you're not going to want to live out in the middle of nowhere if you can't get online and can't, you know, work, assuming you, you know, need to work. So that's going to be cured by the advent of a new type, not 5G, but something that's going to be completely operating on a different level. And again, this is the stuff you, Julie and I talk about on our Sunday podcast. But there's going to be a web of over the most urbanly, er, most densely uh, populated parts of the uh, the country and then the world of satellites that's going low orbit satellites that are going to allow people to get online anywhere for free and the speeds are going to be faster than 5G. And I'll tell you guys how big of a deal this is going to be is that the, I didn't tell you this, Julie, the Astronomers Association or whatever it is, they're realizing because they've already, Elon Musk, by the way, is behind this, guys. Um, so he was a big investor in this this small satellite company whose only purpose is to basically do what I just said. Right. But the um, the uh, astronomers are concerned that the satellites are going to create such a web that it's going to distort what the constellations look like oh because gosh. they're because they're going to be low orbit and oh, so bizarre. they're so they're going to reflect like stars. 
How interesting. Isn't it, though? And wasn't it one of our neighbors that said that, remember one of our alien reports locally, that they they saw things flying over the ocean and they researched yeah. and it turns out it was some of these. Well, it's Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they so saw... it's already happening. This is not like, you know, 10 years in the future. It, they're already being deployed. Right. So we think, and I think you guys are going to experience, if you're not experiencing already, a continued momentum towards people moving into areas that are not going to be, you know, places like they had been living. I think people are largely rejecting for all kinds of reasons, most of which are probably fear-based, and we don't need to get into them, living in urbanly dense areas. Or even, you know, I have a great client out in LA, sells expensive real estate and some of the most expensive zip codes, and he doesn't want to live there anymore yeah. because he, he, was, he sent me pictures, he texted me pictures of what he has to experience on his way to work and his way home from work. And he showed me things, and Julie and I were last out in his market I mean, it was a while ago. It's probably 10 years ago. And it wasn't anything like what it looks now. It looks like a dystopian movie. And he is in his, his office is, well, his brokerage is Rodeo Real Estate. In his own office, they had windows that were essentially permanently boarded up because they keep on getting knocked out. And he said that the windows get shot out with a low caliber rifle. They're not even sure if it's a pellet gun or it's a, well, my point being is what the hell? <laughs> right. That is the summary. I mean, we don't need okay. to do ballistics, well, okay. but still. So that, that leads us to your final point, number nine. Housing in general has changed context thanks to COVID, meaning people are investing in their home versus spending money on other things like travel, eating out, shows, etc. The new macro trend is to have a Zoom room to reinforce home office lifestyle and not to mention homeschool lifestyle, right? So people absolutely are investing in that. And one of the most common requests is backyard and pool. I hear that from coaching clients all the time. The only thing that something doesn't sell in, I mean, markets that make sense for pools, maybe not the Northwest or the, uh, you know, Northeast or Midwest, but the rest of the country, they'll say the only reason it's not going to sell is because it doesn't have a pool. Especially California clients, Phoenix, Vegas. Well, Texas. we were talking to somebody in Miami, right? Yeah. We were talking to a really great broker in Miami. We have a lot of um, our EXP family is in is, is building up in Miami. And if you guys want to talk to us about joining our EXP group, if you're seriously interested in, in uh, moving forward and you want to partner with Julie and I at EXP, feel free to text me directly on my cell phone. 512-758-0206. We can help you join EXP anywhere in the United States and Canada and the five different, you know, England, um, India now, uh, anywhere in the world, really, the five different countries in which EXP is expanded to, but primarily in the United States, if you want to join Julie and I's own personal EXP group, EXP Realty is without a doubt going to be the most dominant real estate brokerage in the entire world. So make sure you, and I know that sounds like a big far reaching statement, but it's true based on the current momentum of the company. So if you want to, you know, essentially be where the puck is going to be, consider texting me directly and we'll talk about it. See if it's a fit for you. I know it is, but let's just make sure 512-758-0206. So we're talking with someone, a broker in Miami, I'm about to sneeze, and she's telling us, Bless excuse you. me. Bless Excuse me. Julie, I think I might be allergic to you. Oh, can I go? <laughs> Just kidding. Well, so um, in downtown in Miami, the focus for, what, 20 years has been living in these towers, right? And that's where all the growth, in, when you see pictures of Miami, it's not the old you know, South Beach anymore. It's all these urbanly dense towers, and it looks miraculous. It looks like something out of the future someplace. You know, you could almost see hover cars floating around. But now guess what? People don't want to live in those condos anymore. And there are thousands of them for sale. And guess where they want to live? They want to live in the homes out, outside of the 
essentially the densely populated parts of Miami, and they want yards. They want fenced-in yards. So these people who had seen themselves as being essentially bus- or, uh, you know, tall building dwellers, maybe their entire lives, are saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. And it's not just because of COVID. I think there's also a lot of, you know, the uh, lifestyle demands that people have now, they don't want to live in, you know, de- now look how quick that trend is shifting. Look at uh, New York City. Now, again, you can say in New York City, it's the, a whole combination of things that are making living in the densely populated, you know, urban jungle of New York City. You, there are a whole bunch of reasons you can say people want to move out of there. But guys, New York City has been the center of pretty much the universe forever is certainly for commerce right and now people are moving where to the city to the states around new york city and they're even even moving down to like kentucky and they're moving down to georgia our coaching clients in those markets are saying that they're experiencing an onslaught of folks you know bailing on new york city and because they can work um you know from their homes they're wanting to live in you know nashville they're wanting to live in charlotte north carolina they're wanting to live in all these other areas and yes they have to occasionally go back up to the mothership you know their main office in new york city but that's an easy one day flight half day flight for most of them so guys this trend we think is going to continue julie last point that was the last point oh did we talk about demographics yes okay well uh, i mean we 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 can drill down a little bit more on that because it's not just millennials. Everybody likes to talk about millennials being of buying age and selling age. But now we also have Generation Z, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's younger than it is because Z of is, Zoe. Because yeah. she's not, I don't know what her generation is called, but it's. No, she's in Generation Z. Z. Yeah. Yeah. So the older generation, you know, of that crowd is now starting to be first time buyers. Right. And you still have lots of baby boomers downsizing, downsizing. right? So you have just an incredible demand. It's epic. It is. And these guys know it. Now, you were just talking about the the, uh, condo high rises in Miami and in Manhattan. So if there's going to be, you know, there's always been a, there's already been a shift in those markets. So yes, you probably are going to see some, you know, major correction in those types of markets and in parts of LA and stuff. You like will. That. Well, you already are. But yeah. the, but those those have been in a downward market they for a long time. Right. This just sort of, in, you know, accelerated that. COVID did. Yes. But right. for, for the, you know, normal housing market, if there is a normal anymore, um, just the epic demand is just incredible. It's from virtually every generation. The only one that's never mentioned is ours, Generation X. Nobody cares about us. <laughs> we're not big enough to care about. That's fine. Um, but that's all right. It's pretty much everybody else. So yeah. And so, guys, listen, do not be pessimistic about some sort of... Now, you, if you live in one of the areas where you know that the market's going to continue to fall in price because of all the, you know, the, the things that were in place, like New York City or Miami prior to COVID, well, chances are that trend is just going to, you know, it's going to build momentum. It's going to get worse. So you might want to keep that in mind. Is that a place you want to continue to invest yourself? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Otherwise, for the rest of you, we don't see any reason to believe there's going to be any sort of, you know, uh, zombie apocalypse of foreclosures and all these other big dramatic words and terms that people like to attach themselves to happening in housing. It just does not appear to be happening. And even if there were a bunch of people, because let's say, for example, there's certain parts of the country where there are maybe going to be, the economy is going to recover slower, where jobs are 
are going to return slower. If Even if all that's true, there does not appear to be any reason to believe there's going to be uh, just any political impetus or any kind of, you know, anything that's going to allow there to be a bunch of foreclosures. And that will put a floor underneath the market because the distressed real estate would have essentially caused a fast erosion in property values. Did we talk about inflation? Yes. Oh, we did. We did. Okay, I wasn't really listening. And prices going up instead of going down. Right. So inflation yeah. basically is the other thing that we didn't experience last time that we're definitely exp- going to be experiencing going forward, which will be another reason why someone's not going to want to sell a house and another reason why someone's going to want to buy a house, fear of missing out. So guys, you should be optimistic yeah. about the year that's going to come. We are. I know. I think it, I've been toying with the idea of calling it the new roaring 20s. You know, That'll just be confused people. The problem when we yeah. use historical I things, they don't all get it. They don't all get it, right? So well, we have to think of something completely different. We'll, we'll come up with a new. How thing. many people do you think actually know what the hell the Renaissance was? I honestly, know. exactly same problem, different word. <laughs> yes, I'm with you. But the point is the enthusiasm for it, you know. And if you guys are confused about that, just you know, go try and set up a showing on some hot property that just popped into the MLS. Yeah. But ton, tons of enthusiasm, and I think that that by itself also is different. You know, people were were depressed in the drama before about the housing market and now it's like the fast and furious so it I'm is excited about and it's it. going to continue there's going to be well I, i'll tell you again you and i can ramble on forever because we really love this stuff yeah. but like i know someone's joining our exp group his mm-hmm. name is uh he's already joined so i can say his name his name's chris mcgee and his partner jason graham they're out in california fantastic uh, mostly commercial agents. Mm-hmm. Well, they're working with a uh, essentially an already funded national project where it's going to be prefab modern homes that are designed specifically to be built in places that maybe before the builders wouldn't have wanted to build because of the geographic location. Mm-hmm. And I've seen pictures of these things. They are cool. straight up badass. They are. And they're going to be off the grid type. Yeah. So, you know, like our place here in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. we have backup water, we have backup power. Yep. You know, we have backup everything. Mm-hmm. So we could effectively be off the grid here. Sure. And and I know people that live in, um, you know, normal areas of the country, and they've built their houses to be off the grid too. So just that very concept that you have to be independent of the grid and you have to be able to, you know, expect there to be power outages and all that type of thing. That's a huge mind shift, mindset shift from just 10 years ago. Yeah, well, look at California with their rolling blackouts. Exactly. These people are going to be nice and motivated to do something like that. How many, what do you think the generator sales are like in, in uh, California. It's got to be off the charts. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. I know. So lots of reasons to be excited. You just have to move with the market, be excited by it, and know what to do about it. And that's why we have coaching that we've just talked to you about. You know, there's no reason not to be. So you just have to participate, take what the market is giving to you, and, you know, celebrate. I think it's fantastic. Totally. And if you don't feel as optimistic as we feel, chances are you need to start doing a little bit better job of, uh, you know, picking and pruning who you're listening to or what you're reading, what you're paying attention to. Now more than ever, especially for the rest of this year, guys, we strongly suggest all of you go media free. And media free is where you essentially absorb as little information from as few sources as possible. So you can keep your mindset focused on the things that matter to you. And you're not allowing anyone to co-op your emotions and you know misdirect your intentions and that's what unfortunately happens a lot of times with regards to the media so do your best to check out all of all of it right you know you can know who you're going to vote for get that over with but all the rest of this stuff maybe just decide to sideline that emotionally so you can focus on what your highest and truest purpose on this planet is which is being of service to other people so julie has got to rush off to premier coaching if you guys are in premier coaching make sure you attend the premier coaching session live in the meantime if you guys want to 
to talk to us about joining our eXp family, feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. I love talking with you guys about eXp because I'm incredibly enthusiastic about it because I see the amazing effect it's been having on so many different agents' lives. Just, you know, it's so cool because it, it's built, baked into eXp multiple streams of income. So, Julie, thank you for the podcast today. You later, alligator. And if you guys need me for anything, 512-758-0206. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.